Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the Gilman race. This is part of our race overview series where we go over all the possible player races. And right now we're on the uncommon races. Christian, the Gilman, you and I, we did some research about these guys, didn't we? If you consider research clicking about two links in the wiki, then yes. Uh, no, it's not what I consider research. I consider watching a movie research. Christian and I watched Waterworld, specifically <laughs> so that we could prepare to talk about Gilman. And I know everything about them. Um, they are all Kevin Costner. That is correct. It is just like the changeling is all female, Gilman are all male. They are all Kevin Costner. <laughs> Physically, Gilman have expressive brows, pale skin, dark hair, and bright purple eyes. Three slim gills mark each side of their necks near the shoulder, but they are otherwise close enough in appearance to humans that they can pass as such for a time without fear of detection. So that's what is straight from the movie we're talking about, Waterworld, because he's, he's going in there, he's trying to trade with all the humans, and they're like, oh no, he's a mutie, I think, which is their clever way to say mutant. Hey, what a, mutant's just a long word, you gotta make it mutie. It's the only way, the only way you can live in this world. Uh, but that's pretty much where the Gilman ends. So I understand like that's where they wanted to get this inspiration for the Gilman. But beyond that, they take it a completely different direction. They take it an eldritch direction, a draw it a little from HP Lovecraft. These guys were humans once of a city that was submerged in the water. Right now you're thinking, oh, Atlantis? Mm, a little bit different. It was submerged in the water by an abolith, which is an eldritch creature. And Abolith said, oh, we're going to use some of you, transform them from humans to Gilman so that they could serve them, you know, in the surface world and still come back down. And that's the story of the Gilman. That's an, they're ancient. That's an ancient story, though. I'm not sure if they still serve Aboliths. There surely are still. Aboliths still exist in the world. Aboliths are these, I don't want to say they're exact. They're very eldritch in nature. Um appearance and the way they look and the way they act i don't know if they are distinctly eldridge but they predate the gods i believe abolis are incredibly ancient creatures that live on the sea floor the deepest depths of the sea and have giant cities under the sea right yeah no hp lovecraft himself didn't invent them it was part of the extended universe as it were that he encouraged all authors to come up with so right there, I actually like that. I think it's a cool backstory for them. I always love Eldritch things a lot. If anyone's listening to Trailblazers, I always like to involve that in my stories. This has made something that is really just, I would want to pass over completely. It's very uninteresting to me. Oh, kill people. Okay. I, I, originally, I thought I'd, I'm much happier with Merfolk and with Undyne's Why Do I Need Gilman? But you know, I like this backstory enough that I might keep something mostly like that in my homebrew world. I like it that much. So... I'm interested now. I want to. I want to learn more about them. Uh, we don't have their RP, and we don't. We don't know their height, their weight, and all that. I think we can just say it's got to be human, right? I mean, the the abolists just change them so they can breathe underwater, and they get the pale skin from living down there for so long. I'm gonna say it's pretty much the same. I don't know. Maybe pressure has something to do with it. They're crushed into a smaller form. I, I don't know how things that live on high pressure environments work, and I'm not gonna pretend to. Whales got to figure it out. Uh, but their ages are slightly longer than the human. They're adults at 20, middle-aged at 62, old at 93, venerable at 125, and can live up to 185. Hmm, that's pretty nice. I don't think we've seen a range like that before. Or is that close to half-elf? 
We've seen that on... Oh, the Fetchling and the Half-Elf, yeah. So we do have something to compare to, lifespan-wise. Let's get into their racial traits. Gilmen are vigorous and beautiful, but their domination by the Aboliths has made them weak-willed. They get a plus two constitution, plus two charisma, and minus two wisdom. Uh, one of the best explanations for those stats I've seen in most of the races. Yeah, I actually, I really like that one. I, I don't think it's a, very often we see one that's so strongly defined as this. Gilmen are humanoids with the aquatic subtype. The aquatic subtype is important. Just by having the aquatic subtype, you have a swim speed, and you can move in water without making swim checks. You can breathe water as an aquatic subtype creature. You cannot breathe air unless you have the amphibious special quality, and you always treat swim as a class skill. So hopefully we'll see later that they have the amphibious quality. They are medium creatures. They have a base speed of 30 feet on land. As mentioned before, they have a swim speed of 30 feet in this case. Gilman begin play speaking common in Abolith, and Gilman with high intelligence scores can choose between Aklo, Aquan, Draconic, and Elven. I like that. I like that they don't have a racial language. Their racial language that they do have is because of the creatures that dominate them. It's also a very small list. I think it's one of the smaller lists we see, which I like it because it, it's easier to justify a smaller list of languages. Gilman are amphibious, thank goodness. You can breathe both water and air, so we don't have to worry about that. They have enchantment resistance. Gilman gain a plus two racial saving throw bonus against non-Aboleth enchantment spells and effects, but take a minus two penalty on such saving throws against Aboleth sources. Very thematic to their backstory. Pretty strong if you're not a uh, if you're not in an Aboleth based campaign, because enchantment spells are typically the most powerful, like the ones you really want to save against. Gilman are water-dependent. A Gilman's body requires constant submersion in fresh or salt water. Gilman who spend more than one day without fully submerging themselves in water risk internal organ failure, painful cracking of the skin, and death within 4d6 hours. That's pretty serious. I like that, though. Definitely. I think that being able to be underwater indefinitely and have a swim speed and all that, it's got to have some sort of balance. Unless you want to make this thing just super overpowered. So, that's a fair balance, I think. Don't get trapped in a cave anywhere. Bring large basins of water with you when you're going down the desert. <laughs> and that's all for the base Gilman. So let's talk about racial traits. I also kind of noticed something. Uh, we keep saying Gilman because that is what they're called. G-I-L-L-M-E-N. Uh, nowhere does it state, though, that they can only be men. They can be men or women. Mm, in fact, right. the picture here in the book is of a female, which have long, creepy nails for some reason. I guess that just got left out. They didn't let the artist know. But it does have clothes similar to the Waterworld <laughs> outfit. Oh, oh, there's another callback, which I recognize now that I have seen the movie. You mean that she's wearing garbage and ski boots? <laughs> uh, that would be hilarious if she was wearing ski boots. Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, her feet are underwater, so we just don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe she is. Here are some of their alternate racial traits. Riverfolk. Some Gilman groups live in colonies along vast riverways and have adapted to living on land for much longer periods. Gilman with this trait have a thin coating of natural oil that keeps their skin from crackling, cracking even without water. However, this natural oil also makes such Gilman particularly susceptible to flames and they gain vulnerability to fire. This replaces water dependent. Wow, okay, so this is a very interesting one because immediately I want to replace water dependent because of how limiting it can be. Uh, but you're getting a pretty big negative thing here if you do replace a river folk being vulnerable to anything i don't think we've really seen that in a race yet uh, so you're no. you're opening yourself up to one of the most common energy damage types 
vulnerability is uh, plus 50% damage from that source. So if you were to take 10 fire damage, you would instead take 15 fire damage. And it start, really starts to stack up. So that, that's really dangerous. But I, I mean, I really like that one. Replacing something that's flavorful to sub it out for something that's also really flavorful. It's flavorful in a way that hurts you, but it's still flavorful. Oh, I'm just coated in oil at all times. So please keep that candle away from me. Thank you very much. Another alternate racial trait they have available to them is Slime Hunter. Gilman with this trait are from lineages that have fought against Abolus since the Aberrations rescued their human ancestors. They receive a plus two racial bonus on saving throws against Abolus spells, spell-like abilities, and supernatural abilities. This replaces the enchantment resistance. Are Abolus slimes? The, the name was leading me to believe like you get a bonus against oozes. Oh, they have slime as an ability. So if you know your campaign's going to be dealing with Abolus in some way, shape, or form, I feel like it's something your DM would let you know beforehand whether or not you're going to be underwater, because I doubt you'd be dealing with Abolus unless it was an underwater campaign, and that's obviously a time you would pick this. Otherwise, of course, I wouldn't do it in a million years. Throwbacks. Some Gilman are throwbacks to their land-dwelling human ancestors. They have giant record players, and even though we have MP3s now, this is all that they're going to play. Vinyl or nothing is what they say. Uh, Gilman with this racial trait do not have the amphibious trait, have the human subtype instead of the aquatic subtype, have no swim speed or bonuses to swim skill, cannot breathe water, and do not have the water-dependent racial trait. Um, so why don't I just be human? Um, because you want... Plus two con, plus two charisma, minus two wisdom, and I don't know. <laughs> that's a strange one. That's kind of like making you like the most vanilla character possible. Yeah, yikes. I'm not a fan of this one. Which is weird because I usually love flexibility, and if for some reason you wanted to change yourself, I loved giving you that option, but this just really seems like, well, then be human and have a billion other things to choose from as well. I like it because it gives you the challenge of creating roleplay opportunities from a lack of something rather than having something. You know, you'd have to come up for, like, how your character would feel about, like, basically not having the abilities of your own people. Could be good for NPCs if you're doing a campaign based on this Abla thing. Uh, Gilman's that escaped long ago or coming back to humanity. They only get, uh, they only have four favorite classes, fighter, rogue, sorcerer, wizard. They're all pretty standard stuff. They get one archetype, the Eldritch Raider for the rogue, which is a little bit of a spellcasting sort of uh, rogue. They have a piece of equipment, the Sea Knife. A Sea Knife is a long-handled weapon with a short blade. It's designed to be strapped to the ankle or foot of the wielder, pointing downward and jutting out beyond the wearer's leg. You can't walk or run with it equipped. It's a light melee weapon when you're swimming, flying, or prone. This allows you to use your hands and still make an offhand attack with the Sea Knife but they get a minus two penalty on attack rolls in addition to all other penalties you get. It's only eight gold, and it'll do 1d4 points of damage. Uh, very interesting. It's uh, I think there's plenty of movie sources where it's like people have leg, ta- they have like leg blades, and it's super cool. So at least that's there. I like the idea of, you know, you're, if you're swing, why wouldn't you use the other two ligaments? Now you have two, two uh, legs that have knives on them, essentially. So... Interesting, but I think super appropriately costed, since you won't be using it quite online that often. We only occasionally mention uh, spells. Sometimes races have spells that are from their race, or only their race can cast. Uh, in this place, the Gilman have an interesting spell called Abolus Lung. This is a level 2 spell for clerics, druids, wizards slash sorcerers, and witches. It is a touch spell, and it lasts for one hour a level. You need to, you need to make a will save to negate it. The target affected is able to breathe water freely. However, they can no longer breathe air. 
Divide the duration evenly amongst all creatures you touch. The spell has no effect on creatures that can already breathe water. Incredibly versatile spell in that you can use it to get your party, the other players, through some underwater area, and it's also kind of a save or die spell against anyone that breathes air. Granted, there's not a river they can dunk their head in nearby. Yeah, I actually really like that. Uh, that's a cool, I like, I like spells that kind of have a catch-22 to it. Alright, we just had to get to the bottom of this lake to get the treasure that was down there and kill the dragon. We still got 45 minutes left on your spell. Um, guess water polo? <laughs> Underwater polo? And that's it for the Gilman. Christian, what do we think about the Gilman? Well, what do you think about the Gilman? Don't tell me what I think. The Gilman's okay. Um... I think this is another one that's going to go down, kind of like the Changeling, in that they just don't have enough options to really entice me. I'm like you, I'm, I'm someone that likes a lot of customization, a lot of options. Gilman don't have those options available to them, but I do, I really do like a lot of stuff they have. It's very flavorful, like even we, their stat spread is very specific and calls back to their lineage and, you know, the history of the Gilman, which is something I very much appreciate. I, I, f- I have mixed feelings about the Gilman. Uh, first off, uh, it bothers me that if I say Gilman or Gilman, it sounds the same, but I'm actually trying to make it plural and singular. Taking the A and the E bothers me deeply, probably bothers no one else. Um, but I do like the, I've said before, the positive-negative balance of balancing uh, a race, which I've mentioned last episode, so I won't repeat myself, but I do like that here. Uh, but what I don't like is it makes it very hard to homebrew. If I'm not homebrewing, then I have my players asking me, why do I have all this Aboleth stuff that's built into my stat block? It's in my enchantment resistance, and the one alternate race trait that replaces enchantment resistance still has to do with Aboleth. So that kind of, it bothers me a little bit, but I mean, all that does is it just kind of maybe takes it off the option really to be in in my world, and I still managed to make Gilman part of my world. If anyone's listening to Season 1 Trailblazers, there's a whole little, like, two episodes that deal with Gilman. Um, but it does make it a little more difficult, I think. But what I do like is if I am, if there's anything that I'm going to steal from everything we've read so far, so far, including the main races, this one paragraph backstory is what I would take. I think it's very, very interesting. And if you are playing, I can totally see playing a game in the world of Galarian, using these backstories, and having a party of Gilman, and dealing with Abelis, and a whole fun adventure with that. So let's answer the question that I posed a couple times now. Are they sufficiently different from the Undyne? And I'm going to say yes. I think they've carved out their own identity. Yeah, I think being a from a lineage of people that were enslaved by ancient beings, yeah, I think that's enough to break you apart from the pack. Although I will say, I don't enjoy the fact that they're literally just people with gills. I was, I was hoping there'd be a little something else there. Um, they're, they're literally just humans with gills on their necks, which is a, yeah. li- a little boring for me, personally. But I mean, what else are you going to do? Make them look like Ablis? That wouldn't go over very well. I don't think they'd have a plus two to charisma in that case. I'm surprised I didn't give them webbed hands and webbed feet. Purple eyes <laughs> is a random, interesting thing. I mean, I like, I like every little bit of difference, but why is that about? What's that about? Well, you know, PCs have to have very bright, colorful eyes that come in every chroma possible. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Especially heterochromia. Which is was built into the Changeling, so... Well, next is the Gripply, little frog people, which, until Christian told me a little while back, I didn't know were small creatures, so I can't wait to learn about them. That's another race I know nothing about. 
They are very small creatures. I think they're like two foot and a half at best. <laughs> I can't wait to find out all about them. They do look adorable. And that's the thing I value more than anything else in my races, whether or not they're cute. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Hey, Andrew, you want to play some D&D tonight? No, I, I can't. You're not real. None of this is real. Real, real. Mental divergence can be a tricky situation, but we here at Tales from the Lich can be your hand in the infinite darkness. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com Oh hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just playing some role-playing games. Hey Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can listen to Trailblazers on this very feed. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, grab some dice, and join us. All right, Christian, you come across an obviously important character to the plot. What do you do? I immediately shoot him in the face. Ugh, Christian.